Welcome to the Greybeard Chronicles podcast. Your hosts, Brian Halstead and Kevin Harkins, are two gray-bearded patriots who love God, their family and friends, and their country. The Greybeards are here to inspire, inform, and educate you on a myriad of topics they are passionate about. Brian and Kevin have a strong desire to share this with you to help you live your best life. Sit back and enjoy this amazing podcast as the Greybeards pass along the wisdom of the ages. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 50 of the Greybeard Chronicles. I'm Brian Halstead. And I'm Kevin Harkins. And we are very excited tonight about the conversation that we are about to have. Isn't that right, Kevin? We, we are, yeah. This is, this is uh, we don't have guests very often, by the way. And so when we do, it's a special occasion. And this one is particularly special just because of the subject matter that we're going to be talking about. And we appreciate, before anybody knows who we're talking about, we appreciate you guys being here. And Brian will take the time to, to tell us that here. But yeah, thank you. This is good stuff. Yeah, because as you well know, there's, uh, there's some interesting things that are going on in our country right now. And a couple episodes ago, we, did a, uh, we had a conversation about mayhem in America. And uh, this, is a, this is a good follow-on to that, right? Because um, America is in turmoil. And uh, the, the conversation that we want to have tonight is um, what does the solution look like, right? Where, where do we go from here? Um, we're here. What, what do we need to do to fix this? Because it's, it's obviously not going to fix itself. And so we, we invited some folks in here to have a, have a conversation tonight and shed some light on that. And uh, I'll take a few minutes to tell our audience who those people are. Please do. All right. So we have three guests tonight. And our, uh, our first guest is a serial entrepreneur and multifaceted philanthropist from King George, Virginia. She attended Virginia Tech to pursue mechanical engineering, but left prior to graduating to pursue entrepreneurship. She is the co-owner and CFO of Naturally Vera, a pH-balanced designer hair care product line formulated and developed with her sister. She is a black, single mother, that creates her own curriculum and homeschools her children, who are YouTubers, LJ and AveryTube. Hopefully I said that right, but we'll get her to correct me later if I mess that up. Uh, she's a um, Reiki master and self-taught yogi, a plant-based living enthusiast, gardener, self-published author, published model, digital marketing expert, business consultant, and defense contractor. Additionally, she is a member of Unity as Wealth, the vice president of NSBE, Potomac River Professionals, which gives her the ability to pour back into the community. Please be sure to check her out at naturallyvera.com. That's naturallyvera.com. Thank you, Apollonia Ward, for taking time to be on the podcast with us tonight. Thank you. I'm so excited about this. You're welcome. Yeah. We, uh, we are as well. So our second guest is a lifelong resident of the Fredericksburg area, and he is probably known to most as a musician and entertainer. Having risen to notoriety in the early 2000s for multiple appearances on NBC's Today Show as a contestant on the morning TV staple as the winner of their talent competition, which could be described as a daytime version of the American Idol series. He went on to record albums both as a solo artist as well as collaborations with other musical groups. Active in the faith community, as well as working with various nonprofit organizations, he still enjoys songwriting and performing, but now as an independent mortgage advisor, 
Most often, you'll find him helping families with the financial side of the home purchasing process. Thank you, Anthony Campbell, for joining us on the podcast tonight. It's absolutely my pleasure to be here. Thank you all so much for uh, being willing to have these conversations. You betcha. Our third guest is no stranger to the Fredericksburg community. He grew up in the region and has been actively serving and working here for many years. He hosts the Thursday Night Live stream channel Spirituality Night Live. I love that name, by the way, uh, where he strives to encourage open conversations, spiritual exploration, and growth in an environment of love and kindness. Because of his passion for personal growth and spiritual evolution, he has served as president of community organizations such as Unity of Fredericksburg and Fredericksburg Business Builders. He is co-creator and co-owner of When Pigs Fly. His oldest son, Jaden, is a student at VCU, and he homeschools his youngest son, Slade, until last year. Slade began the, uh, will begin the fifth grade this fall. I know he's delighted to be here because he told me so, and uh, I know that he's going to have a, uh, a lot of awesome things to add to this conversation tonight because this topic is, uh, is weighing on his heart. So thank you, Melvin Brown, for being here on the podcast tonight. Thanks for having welcome. me. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the And and welcome to you all. I, this is uh so we're we're setting some some records tonight, Kevin, right? So we uh we don't have guests that often and and when we do have guests, it's with intention, right? So we um there's there's certain subjects we want to cover or or whatnot and and uh, this is the largest um group we've had for for the podcast and uh this this is going to be an exciting time, I have no doubt. I agree. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And even in just the few minutes that we had chatting, uh, getting to know each other just a little bit, which, by the way, is consistent with how we do the, these podcasts all the time. We'll pick a subject. We'll let the other we alternate back and forth each week who gets to pick the subject. Uh, and so the only thing, you know, walking in is the title and you don't know where the conversation is going to go. So we don't spend a lot of time beforehand kind of trying to psych each other out. Or, or figure out how we can feed off of each other because we just want to have a conversation. And that's what, that's what tonight is all about, to have a conversation about this incredibly difficult time. And, uh, you know, I'm not that old, but I'm, I'm old enough to know that I've been around um, the block a few times and realize this is probably, at least in my memory, the single most difficult time that I think our country has endured. Um, I, was, I was born during uh, Vietnam and all that was going on there. And I was a young child when all that was happening. I was alive, but I didn't really, really understand it. This isn't, obviously it's not war. It's something very different, but it's, uh, some people have called it a civil war in a way. Uh, our own civil war that we're going through again, this is a, you know, it's a very challenging time with, uh, sparked by the, the very, very unbelievably, incredibly unfortunate murder of uh, George Floyd, and that's that's what it was, and that just uh, it was a tinderbox that has now just exploded into all of the things that are going on, and uh, we we just wanted to talk about it, have a respectful conversation with with you guys about, um, you know what you think and what can we do as community members and uh, community leaders and concerned citizens for our world and, and for our country. That's where we're headed. That's at least where we want to be headed. Hope you guys are in the same place, and I, I think you are because you said you were before we started. 
Yeah, and I I just have to call this out. You you mentioned the incident in uh, in Minneapolis and the unfortunate uh, death of George Floyd at the the hands of the police there. Um, having spent time in law enforcement, and I've said this on on earlier podcasts when we were talking about this subject, uh, I am mortified by what happened there. Uh, there there's absolutely no training in the world that that teaches people to do what occurred there, and uh, it's inexcusable. And those folks um, should be and and will be held accountable. And so I, I know that's something we don't have to debate tonight because I'm, I'm fairly certain we all feel the same way about that. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to hear other things that you have as far as ideas on, you know, we're here now. Um, and we could talk a little bit about how we got here. And I think me personally, that's not as important as how we're going to get out of here. Right. And get to a positive place because I mean, that should be the focus of everybody. So what do you all think? We've talked enough. It's y'all's turn. Well, I would like to say, you ask how is it going to get any better? And it's going to get better simply by having conversations like this. And, and a lot of times it's going to be difficult for people to have a conversation like this because sometimes people want to hold on to what it is that they think and not be willing to hear something differently. So congratulations to you guys for inviting us to come out here because this is exactly the, the remedy for it all, in my opinion. I completely agree. If we do not learn how to understand each other and, you know, there's never going to be a situation where you can please everyone. But we do, if we're going to live together, need to reach a common ground. And the only way you can do that is understanding everyone's perspective and finding something that we can all live with. Amen. Amen. To follow up on that, I, you know, I, I think not only are the conversations necessary but they have to be they have to be welcome you know as you gentlemen have, have, have both um created a warm uh inviting environment you know you've, you've given us the, a, a feeling that that you truly want to have these conversations and not just because it makes for good podcast material but because as individuals you guys really seem to want to understand who we are what we're what we're dealing with um I think the biggest impediment to conversations that happen is just the human's desire to avoid conflict, pain, difficulty, um, you know, anything that, that, that makes, it, makes us uncomfortable. You know, if you see somebody who's obviously having a bad day, they're crying, whatever, you know, what you want to do, the first thing you want to do is stop them from crying. You want to, you know, to, to get them feeling better so that they're happy because that's a reflection of what we see. And when you see other, you know, another who's really struggling um, with, with what happens to be going on, you just, you just want it to go away. And that's what I think the, the struggle that we're having a lot with a lot of people who just want us to get on the other side of what's going on right now is, you know, to as quickly forget about it and for, for things to just go back to the way they were. You know, because you'll hear a lot of people, when, when are we going to get back to the way things used to be? Well, you know, when, when, you, when you open up the conversation and find out what used to be or what has continued to be to this point is not a happy, a happy place for so many of us. And um, in order for us to get through to the other side, we have to go through um, uncomfortable conversations. We have to go through difficult revelations and we have to be willing to challenge ourselves to open ourselves up to 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 see what's inside of us and what we've um felt thought to this point that is not congruent with with this being a unified nation 
for us being, you know, a group of people who, you know, we don't have to get along with every with, with everybody. You don't even have to like each other, but you have to be respectful of, you know, the, that that there are other opinions out there besides your own, and be willing to have, uh, you know, that yourself opened up to potentially a different way to think. I was just going to say, uh, there's not going to be, I, I think, in light of all that's happened so far, we're not going back to where we were before. It's, it's going to be different. Uh, I don't know what the new normal is going to be, but there is going to be a new normal of some sort. There has to be. There's just too much pain, too much frustration, too much action, too much destruction and violence. I mean, all of that stuff has it's scarred the nation, and that's one of the reasons that I think it's so important to talk about it is to find out, okay, I mean, now we, I mean, it's amazing. You wake up and, and every single day I'm looking at the news and, you know, Brian and I were a couple of weeks ago, we thought, hmm, you know, where's this going? Where's it headed? How long do we think it's going to last? And I mean, it's, it's, it's picking up speed. It's picking up momentum. And when I say it, I mean this national, well, I mean. Worldwide. World, yeah, there you go. There yeah, you go. You're, right. yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It is worldwide. And, um, and so there, it's going to be different. And, and it's our responsibility, Apollonia, to, to mention a few words about what you said before we came on the air. Um, it's our responsibility to lead the way right where we are. We look in the mirror. We see each other. I'm sorry. We see ourselves and we say, let me be the change. And then as I go forward and I interact with people that are around me, that can have an impact just like we're doing right now. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I th you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you know, we, we are doing that tonight because we're, we're having a conversation that we would encourage anybody to have. And, uh, you know, just make sure that you have some, some ground rules, that it's going to be respectful, like, like Anthony um, referenced. And, and, you know, you, got, you, you have to operate from a base of that, right? you got to be respectful to one another and, uh, and, and where you come from. You, you don't have to agree on everything. You just have to be respectful of one another's position. Uh, now, I mean, there are exceptions to that, right? So, I mean, if, if I believe in killing people just for the sake of killing people, y'all aren't going to like that, and I wouldn't expect you to. So, I mean, there, there are extreme examples, right? Um, yeah, so what, what does, uh, you know, I guess for me, I, I think in a tactical way, right? So um, what steps do we need to take? you know, little steps, what, you know, today, tomorrow, the next day, what, what steps do we need to take to send this in a, in a good, you know, positive direction and, and help people to better understand one another? Because I just, I think there's some radicals out there that aren't going to be willing to sit down and have the conversations, right? And so, um, and those people come from, from all different walks of life, right? And, uh, and they're just not decent human beings because they just want to keep you know, stir in the pot for the sake of stirring the pot. So I, I don't know how we, we can reach those folks. I, I would certainly love to brainstorm that. And, and maybe it's a, you know, conversation like this that, you know, one of somebody out there that you, that you know, or somebody hears this and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm throwing that out there. So what, any Brian, ideas? I, I just want to add one thing to what you said during the same conversation. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. very interested in hearing everybody's opinion, yours yeah. as well, Brian, yeah. about how did we get here? You know, so we know what happened. And like Bryant said, and we, we've talked about this on the podcast just a little bit the last couple of weeks, but I, I think that video of George Floyd, and I've said this to many people, was probably the most disturbing thing I have ever seen in my life. 
because it wasn't a movie. It was real life. Yeah. And it was unbelievably um, difficult to watch and to comprehend. And so to have that be the catalyst makes perfect sense. Something that's that dramatic and something that's that, that sort of in your face, and especially in today's day and age where we can watch it over and over and over and over again and just remind yourself of how heinous it is. Um, but, but I was genuinely surprised and am genuinely surprised about how big this thing has exploded. And so why did that happen? Yeah. I'd like to take a stab at that. <clears throat> America is supposed to be the leader in the free world. At least we had that title for a while. And America has never righted itself by being wrong where how it viewed itself as a racial way. It has never corrected itself there. I know we had civil rights and there were things that happened and that was a movement and things did get seem to be better. But then there were certain laws put in. But it, it was never righted. It was never America has never said it was wrong and it had never been corrected. And as leaders in the free world, it's not fixed any place else in the world at all. And so it just stayed like this under the surface. And it just takes just something like that to happen with the help of cameras. You're not just getting something that's just given to you by the news. These are the people that are in the streets when you're seeing it and you're seeing it raw. It's, that, it's, it's no fake news attached to it. This is real. And it's over and over and over again. So question, Melvin, when you say um, nobody has admitted to, to it, are you talking about, the, first of all, the, are we going back to the issue of slavery? Is that what we're talking about? Or are we talking about uh, just racial relations in general since then? Or um, I think it's all of the same. All, okay. So you don't think that anybody has, has sort of confessed the sins, at least you know, in your mind, of, of America and, and, uh, and the, the broken, bad history of that part of our, you know, our existence as a country? Not as a whole. Let's, let's, let's take, for example... Um, Look at what happened in Germany when Hitler came in office in 1933. And so it was until 1946, I believe, before they got him out. It took that long. But Germany, they went through a heck of a period trying to right that wrong. It, it, it had gotten to the point where you don't see Nazi flags hanging up in Germany because they know how wrong it is but we still have racism and signs of racism and the monuments of the oppressors still here. So no, it has never been said, okay, we're wrong, we're sorry. It's been, hush, it's okay, you're free now. What was it, Mitch McConnell said that America voted for a black president so we have just corrected ourselves because of that statement. So it's stuff like that, uh-uh, nope. Okay. To piggyback right. off of what you were saying, um, I feel like, you know, the way that you said it's just been under the surface and it hasn't been brought out to light because we're the leader of the free world. And I think that we have this huge issue where we tend to ignore things that aren't directly affecting us. And I'm really glad that you brought up what happened in Germany because the entire world turned a blind eye to Shark Island 
And what they were doing, what Leopold was doing down in Shark Island was the blueprint for what happened in the Holocaust. And had we came to the rescue of those people at Shark Island, we would have never had a Holocaust. You know, as a child, when you learn about the Holocaust in school, I think what really got me was like, how did they do this right the first time? You know, how were they so successful with this method the first time? Like, we screw up a lot of things trying to get it right. Even look at SpaceX. We couldn't even get that thing up out of here the first launch date. And I think that when we don't pay attention to things that directly affect us, it's like, you know, this house is on fire, but it's not my house. And I'm not going to call because somebody in there has got to have done something to get help. And then all of a sudden, the whole street burns down. And I think that that is what's happening here. It's, it's not our problem. And then all of a sudden, by the time it is our problem, we don't even know what to do because it's just hit us like a train. Great, great points. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm, Melvin, I'm glad you brought up that about uh, Germany. And, and you mentioned that briefly in conversation the other day. And it, um, it landed on me a little different tonight. Maybe you just add, you know, added some, some different stuff to it. And I, I guess I'd never, um, you know, made the connection with the, the not that I'm in favor, because I'm really not in favor of taking down Civil War monuments and so on. Um, however, I, I can see where uh, that could be a, a symbol of, of the oppressors for, for folks. And, um, yeah, so I might have to think about that a little bit differently. I, the problem I have with, with tearing them down is that, you know, it's, it's our history. And by having them there, it's a constant reminder of things that were done wrong and things that we did to correct it. And so it's all part of the history, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I appreciate the way you said that, though, because that did kind of cause me to, to pause a little bit and think about that differently. Also, just to kind of put into perspective, like, how that may feel, um, think about what happened with R. Kelly. You know, that dude is just disgusting. And at first I was like, uh, you know, I'm not so worried about the music. You know, the music wasn't the problem, but... When I listen to the survivors of what happened with them, and one of them wrote a book, and she told the story about how those songs were really created by events that happened in her life, I just couldn't imagine what it must feel like for her having a good day after all that she's been through, and then to hear his song playing on the radio, like what that must do to her every time she has to listen to him like he's done nothing wrong. And also with the monuments, sometimes I'm like, when were they erected and why was that done? Because a lot of them were done in the Jim Crow period as a way to stick it to people who were fighting for their civil rights with, you know, they were willing to bleed and die for this. So when I think about the history of why some of them are there, I'm like, well, those ones, you know, they absolutely have to go. But just trying to be empathetic to who is being affected instead of, you know, how I view them when I'm not in the group of people that may feel a type of way about it. That's how I'm able to try to gain an understanding when it's not me. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I, the, the, um, yeah, I had a, n a number of thoughts running around and I, I got to decide which one I want to go with. Um, with now, actually, the the way that I and I'm I'm connecting dots that I want to make sure are correct. So, the, the symbolism that's still there, 
that to you means something very um, cruel and destructive is things like the Confederate flag and some of the Confederate monuments and so on. Is that right? Is that to understand yes. that? And and I'm with Bryant, honestly. Uh, I'm hearing some of that in a new way for the first time. I'm, of course, I've, I've known forever that the Confederate flag um, can have, and, and I believe in some people's mind, white people's mind, is intended to be a cruel symbol. <clears throat> But I also know that there's a whole bunch of white people who don't think about that, that way at all. You know, the Civil War was about slavery primarily, but it was also about two completely different types of lifestyles that people lived. And so there's a whole bunch of people in the South who don't look at it that way. They just look at, that's who I am. That's, and with, completely separate the issue of, of slavery, of racism, it's just taking pride in their culture as a human being and growing up like you grow up anywhere. I mean, everybody has a, a sense for who they are because of where they grew up, and it's pride in that. You know, I, I was born in the state of Wyoming, and I love being from Wyoming. I love the culture of Wyoming. I love the Wild West. I love the great outdoors and all of those kinds of things, what that, what that means. And, and it has nothing to do with race, religion, creed, or anything. It just has to do with this culture that I grew up in. And so, um, so I would say that I, I can see, I mean, I can see it absolutely. I mean, I've seen, I, I believe I've known it for years, that that can be a, a vicious and cruel. And, and, and you see, um, and I can understand statutes of Confederate you know, soldiers and generals and all of that. And that, it's a constant reminder and that's, a, that's got, got to be very difficult. But I can also tell you that I know a whole bunch of Southern white people who aren't racist and don't see those as symbols of racism. Mm -hmm. In their mind, they just don't see it. I understand. And so, so they just, they, and so they don't understand. They don't understand why the reaction. And uh, I'm seeing it for a new way tonight. I really am. I'm, you know. And I think it's important that we get together and find out hey, what does this mean to you? You know, I don't want to see someone wearing a shirt with a Confederate flag on it and look at them and say, oh, this person is a racist. I'm genuinely curious as to what that means to you because I don't share that culture. Right. You know, you have been in the, both of you have been in the military before. And when you are traveling the world, the first thing you do is understand the culture. You know, it's like, do I put my thumb up here? Does that mean the same thing here? Like, right. I want to understand. So I'm not going to just tap you on the shoulder and ask, but if we're having a conversation, I do want to hear your perspective. So, you know, you don't have to accept how it feels to me, but I do want to understand why you feel like that because if your reasoning is what hurts me, then I'm not okay with it. But I can understand, like, you know, your perspective on how you feel that they don't mean that. Right. I think it's interesting, too, that um, it was the United States of America that went to, and this, the southern part seceded. Right. They, they, they pretty much were treason. <laughs> I mean, they just, yeah. I mean, so, so we celebrate that, so we can honor that, that you just turned, I mean, what if somebody did that today, just went right against the government? I mean, is that right? I mean, you know, I mean, well, what, what, if we, what if we went to war up against America right now? What if we just said, hey, we do it. We're this group and we're going to go up against America now. And now all of a sudden, 
years later that can be monuments erected in favor of us. Because really, the South, they lost the war initially, but they won long term by representing who they were, how it was, and bringing up these monuments to say, we're still here. Yeah, it's um, it certainly, I don't know if it was treated that way at the time, right? Uh, what wasn't there, as, as none of us were, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the world was, well, I say the world, our, our world, as far as America goes, was viewed differently back then. You, you didn't have the, um, the centralized focus of that, even though, you know, the, the title was there, the United States, the states very much operated separately, right? And that's why, you know, Robert E. Lee, um, you know, he was shoulder tapped to, to run the Union Army, right? And he turned it down, um, not because of anything else, but his loyalty to Virginia, right? Because your, your loyalty to your state was, was greater in those days than it was to the country itself. Um, because that's the way I, I believe our country was set up to begin with, right? Is, is that there wasn't going to be that huge federal oversight because they, they just had a problem with that and uh, fought a war to get rid of it and they didn't want to recreate the same thing. And, uh, and so I think that, you know, there was a lot of that going on. It was the, you know, the overreach and, and the states not being able to allow to do what the, you know, each individual state wanted to do. But, you know, and that's, that's one of the things with, that, that bugs me about the, the disrespect towards Robert E. Lee in general is that, you know, he, he was thought of in such high regard that, you know, he, he was the, the man that, he, that they wanted to run the Union Army. And, and um, again, because of his loyalty to Virginia, he, he turned it down. It but, really, it, it's really incredible when you think about how that, that it, the Civil War was a terribly complicated time. I mean, there were so many different things that were going on. And, yeah, Robert E. Lee, I mean, he was asked by Abraham Lincoln to run the Union forces. And he said no. I mean, it's amazing. And then he, you know, he switched sides, and it's just, it's, it's, it creates this complication to all of it that none of it is easy. And then an, an additional piece to I'll add to what Bryant said is, America as a nation has a revolutionary streak that runs through it. I mean, we broke off from the British for, for the reasons of the overbearing government coming down upon us, and we said, enough. As a, we, we as a nation, of course, none of us were there, but right. we as a nation said, we're done. We don't like this government oversight. We don't like doing this. We're done. We're cutting the chains, and we're moving on, and we're becoming our own nation. And that type of mentality was still very much alive 100 years later when the Civil War broke out. And so... You know, people in the South are thinking, we don't like the government in the North. We don't like what they're doing to us. And so we're going to break off and start our own nation again. And so, and that streak is still, it's still part of our national consciousness, whether you really even know it or not, but it, it's there. I mean, people, at some point, people get really tired of the government and they say, well, I've had it, I'm done. You know, and we see that and then people yeah. react I to it. I so. think we're seeing some of that now. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think where a lot of us um, struggle with the, and I say us, and I'm, and, and, I'm, and I'm speaking for myself, I shouldn't say us, where I have uh, difficulty simply accepting the, the driving force behind first the secession and then the, uh, the, the, the actual bloodshed um, 
when we can say, well, you know what, uh, slavery was a part of it, but it was really about the state's rights to, to govern themselves. My concern comes from, you know, if, if your concern was truly about Virginia, if it was about South Carolina, if it was about Georgia, maintaining its rights to operate as they always had, um, to um, own slaves or maintain their, their, their way of, of doing business as they had, had they not pushed so hard to maintain that lifestyle during the Western expansion, giving the opportunity for those in the new territories to think and decide for themselves what would be their way of, of, uh, their way of life going forward. Um, but because so much of the, the, the Confederate Constitution was really about, you know, not only will we continue to own slaves for now, but our goal is for this to happen forever. As long as there is a country, we will own slaves and we will take these slaves wherever we want to take them and all of their children and children's children um, without any consideration for the fact that we are talking about another human being that was also created in the image of God that suffered from the fact that they happened to be born in Western Africa. That is what makes it hard for me to simply sit with the fact that it was the, the right of the states to continue to operate the way they did. That's, that's, that's my struggle with that understanding. You know, What's, what's interesting is I, um, and, and I, I know I've shared this b before, but it just got, it just came back into, into my mind here, here of late, was when I was, a, I'm, I'm, I'm from this area. So as, as a little boy in school, when you learned about the Civil War, you learned here in this area that it was for just for states' rights. It wasn't about slavery. It was just about states' rights. Okay. And there are a lot of people here who still believe that. Yeah, okay. And that's another thing that is why I homeschool. I want to tell my children the truth about who they are and how we got here. And, you know, it feels crazy to send my child to a school of uh, named after a person who didn't want them to even be able to go to school. And slavery was this money machine. And the best way to stick it to the South was to take that away from them because the North was becoming industrialized, you know, as far as the growing and the trades and things that you would need to enslave someone to do for free. That is how general generational wealth was created here. And um, the Chatham house, what, there's a house up on the hill in Chatham. Mm -hmm. Can't think of the name. Uh -huh. Their net worth after the Civil War went from about $6 million to $30,000. And that's because of the bodies that were no longer there. And that's concerning to me. Like, these people were multimillionaires off of the labor of other humans. And they weren't willing to give that up until it was taken from them. And when I see the flag and I see those statues and things like that, I think about how, like, we got stepped on. So they could have some material wealth that you can't even take with you. You can pass it on, but you can't take it with you. And it just doesn't sit right with me when I have to drive down those highways and take a kid to a school that, you know, it's, it's telling you, like, this isn't for you. Like, it's like a slap in our faces when we built this place, too. 
Like, we did this together, but we don't get any credit. Yeah, in the last five minutes or so of this conversation, I, I mean, I'm, I'm completely on board with you guys. Uh, I mean, just to listen to you talk about it and, and hear the perspective. Um, and there's nothing right anywhere ever about slavery. It's just... No, absolutely that, not. I mean, and so there's nobody that can justify that. And so I, I completely agree. And it's, it, it's a horrible stain. It's, it, it never ceases to amaze me when you read about world history, how cruel human beings can be to each other. And it's, I mean, believe me, America didn't invent slavery. It was around thousands and thousands of years before America. And so, and, and all kind of different cultures have enslaved all kind of different other cultures. And never is it right, never is it good. Uh, so there's no argument there. Um, and yeah, and clearly the scars run deep in this country. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and unfortunately it, it's still going on here, right? Not to the magnitude that it, it once was, but um, there, there's still a huge problem with human trafficking in our country and, mm -hmm. and throughout the world, mm -hmm. so it's... Um, Took the words it, right out of my mouth. Yeah. We yeah. just rebrand it, you yeah, know? Exactly. Call it something different. I mean, yeah. we've gotten so good at human trafficking because that's all we've been doing all this time. Yeah. So you um, kind of struck a chord w with me when you were talking about renaming of... Um, of schools or, um, again, I, I don't have the, the benefit of seeing it from the perspective that you do. Uh, I appreciate the way you articulated that though, because, um, that was an, another one that kind of caused a light, light bulb to go on for me. Uh, my question would be though, um, what's the answer, right? So what, what do, cause I've seen here lately, you know, there's, um, there's lots of, uh, you know, talk about renaming military bases and so on and, you know, suggested names. But, you know, what what do we shift to? Let, let's say we did rename some of these schools because we didn't want to have them associated with folks that were oppressors and, and didn't want your children to be there ultimately. Um, what, what would we use for a naming convention? I like how the cities do it. You know, P.S. this number. Because when you start putting things in people's names, people will always disappoint you. Look at Bill Cosby. He was America's dad, you know? It's like Bill Cosby like, elementary school. Yeah, and I mean, everybody wanted Bill Cosby to be their dad. And I don't want that guy anywhere around me and my children. Yeah, yeah certainly, like, certainly don't want to party with him. You. No. <laughs> no drinks allowed. Yeah. No, that's a, that, you, you bring up a very good point. Um, my, my belief system just tells us that, uh, you know, just by being human, born into this world. We're, we're flawed creatures. You know, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, but the, the thing that, that we have a tendency to do just as human beings is put people, put flawed people on, on pedestals. And, that's, and that's, probably, that's probably our first, our first misstep is to, uh, is, is to do that. Um, and the understanding, I, I think probably the, the brightest, best thinkers in this world are those who realize that in every conversation, everything that they do, there's always something to learn. There's always something to, to gain, um, certainly in, in perspective. Um, you know, we, we put a lot of emphasis on learning from, from the past. You know, and, and you, you brought up very, very eloquently the fact that, that slavery was certainly not a new concept by the time we, in the, in the, in the new world, were doing it. Um, you would have thought that we 
had a, a whole lot of time to think about it that we would have come to that realization on our own. Um, but just like where we are today, it's not until there's a powder keg and someone likes a match mm. that it is brought to the attention of everybody in such a magnificent light that we cannot ignore it. Um, so, like you said, the tragic events that have transpired in the, in, in the past few weeks are, they're horrible in and of themselves. It's, it, it, it's something that, that we cannot, as a people, regardless of, of our color, there's a certain moral code that we, that we were created with, that we can't look at something like that and just make it okay or ignore it. Um, so I believe that going forward, these conversations have to happen because it's just so, you know, so blasted into our faces that we, they're, they're conversations to have. Um, and, and probably the best conversations to have are going to be in the mirror where we are forced to within ourselves. When I can look at, 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 at something that a white person is doing wrong toward me, it has to cause me to, to, to rethink, you know, where am I, where, you know, where do I need to learn? What do I need to change? You know, what are the, the deeply held thoughts that I have? Who have I wronged? Who have I marginalized that, um, that I can make those changes? Because when we, when, we, when we get through, when we figure out what we need to do as a people to, to um, right this wrong, that unfortunately or fortunately is just the beginning because there are red brothers and sisters that are on reservations right now in the Midwest who their families owned the entire country that are still waiting for, for apologies and understandings and, and retribution. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm, I don't know if you guys did, but, you know, I grew up playing, you know, cowboys and Indians. And we know who we viewed as, as a child who was on the bad side you know, we, we created so much of that. Um, and we carried it on through, you know, art imitated life. You know, John Wayne and, you know, a, a lot of the other, the other big names that were, um, were made to be heroes because they oppressed the people who once owned every, not, not just part of this country, every bit of dirt that, that, that is on, on, this, on, this, on this nation right now, they owned it all. Yet they were pushed into a corner and we've still not really apologized for that. And that was done under a flag that looked very similar to what's above us right now. You know, so what that makes me wonder is what does, what does my red brother and sister see when they look at that flag? Is that a place of, of, of pride for them? Or do they look at it as a reminder of what their people have lost? You know, so long story short, the first conversation has to happen in the mirror. Yeah, I, um, what's, what's, you know, this conversation, what it's brought to me is that there's, a, there's an incredible Grand Canyon size gap 
of understanding among everybody. And there really is. And until you have these kind of conversations, you can't even begin to find uh, the common ground. And, and let, me give, let me give you another perspective. <clears throat> I grew up in a, in a home, I grew, I grew up in a Christian home where there was no racism. I, I sang the song as a child a thousand times, Jesus loves little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And that's what I was taught to believe. And there was not a racist comment about anyone and in, in anything or any race. It was, there's, there's this beautiful tapestry of human beings that are out there. And, and they all come together in God's eyes as human beings. And so when you grow up like that, and then, and I know, and I will be the first to admit that I grew up in a sheltered environment where I, I didn't have a lot of exposure to things that were going on in other parts of the country, the world, and so on. And when I got to college, you know, I started to be hit with, wow, there's stuff going on here that I just wasn't aware of. I had no idea that this was going on. And I won't get into all of it. I'll fast forward to today. I consider myself to be the average white man. Um, now, I don't know whether I am or not, but that's what I consider myself to be. And I know that in the circles that I run in, there's a whole bunch of people who think like I do. Uh, because, you know, we tend to, to hang around people who we like and we know and we're comfortable with. And the people that I hang around with, they're not racist people. I mean, there's not a racist anything about them. And so when they're all of a sudden, all the fingers are being pointed at them, you're the problem. You have done all of this stuff to us. And, and it's confusing because you're like, I didn't do anything. I'm not racist. I don't have a racist fiber in my body. And yet I'm the white male and I am evil. I have created everything that's wrong and bad in America and it's very disorienting. And it's been that way for 20 years. You know, everybody's pointing at, at us saying, it's you. You did it. You stole the land from the Indian. You are the one that enslaved the blacks. You're the, you know, and, and you know, when you all of a sudden you start being hit with this, you're like, you don't know what to do because you didn't have anything to do with any of it, but you're being blamed for it. And in many respects, you're being held accountable for it. What do you do? You know, that's just, that's sort of, and I, you, I know you've heard that all before, but. Um, I've heard that. And, and then also think about the, the white people that want to know what to do just to make it better. Exactly. And, and, they, and I feel bad that <laughs> yeah. they, they ask a question and then, you know, somebody will turn it around on them. And, and I feel bad, too, that you don't know how to dress us as black, African-American or whatever. I feel sorry for you. We switch. We, <laughs> hey, just, just so you know, we switch it up every 15 yeah, to 18 years to keep you off balance. Right. Yeah. So what, what is that the right is so term funny. today to you? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I I, I I come from a, a very similar background, right? So I I don't um, I didn't grow up in in a racist family. Um, my my roots are from the deep south, right? Um, and you know there would certainly be a, a tendency for that to occur, right? And um, 
you know, I, uh, as, as a young person and, uh, and, and still today have a, um, a Confederate flag. Um, I, I take pride in that flag because it's the flag that was on the state I was born in. Right. And I, and I came from, um, I think you referenced, you know, something to, about that earlier where you came from and so on and, and, you know, taking pride in that. Well, at some point, um, Georgia took that off of their flag. So it's not, not there anymore. Um, that, that bothered me at the time, but um, I, I've gotten over it. But yeah, I just, um, it, it is an interesting, uh, interesting time because I, I, don't, I don't hang around with what I consider racist people. And I certainly don't set out to ever show up that way. In fact, when Melvin and I talked the other day, I asked him, I said, man, you know, we've known each other for a number of years and we've hung out. And have I ever shown up in a racist way in, in interactions that I've had with you? And, you know, your answer was no, absolutely not. And, uh, and, and I appreciate that. And I know you'd tell me if I had. Um, and, and, and I'd want to know if I did because that wouldn't be you know, my intent. And, and I'd want to figure out how I would need to show up differently to make sure it wasn't perceived that way in the future. Um, I just, you know, why? It's a head shaker for me why other people just can't sit down and have these conversations. I think it's hard because sometimes you don't even know that a conversation is needed to be had. Mm. Well, it, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I, when all this stuff started spinning, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, and I don't know if I said, I think I did say this to you on the phone the other day. Um, you know, we've known each other for over a decade now. Um, this is the first time that I can recall that we've had conversations about racial inequality in America. Right. Well, right? well I'll tell you why. Because it's always hard for, as a black, as a black man, it's hard to, have that conversation up here because you may have a background like you have where you haven't experienced any of it at all to know that it's a problem or an issue. Right. We're quiet. Right. Most of yeah. the time. I, mean, I, I see that now. You, yeah. you, you, you don't come out with yeah. it. You don't say anything and you try to be in the world um, as normal as you can. You don't want to be on the side of saying anything and someone call you a victim. So you just you just keep it down. But when matters happen like they are now, we, we, we know deep inside what's connected to us as for our own experiences. That, that, is, that comes down through our, our, our parents, our grandparents, our ancestors, that it's like, yup. And if it has to get real bad, you're like, yup, it's probably gonna get bad. And because it's never been addressed, you know? Right. So it's, yeah, because people, people need to know. There are a lot of times people don't even realize that they're racist. Yeah. And, and it just is subtle things. It's just little, little teeny things that just happen probably early on in life. Yeah. I, I, I know a friend who told me about um, a story with her daughter and some friends and the kids were like, my parents were never like out there racist or anything. But when we would show up at the gas pump and there was a black guy out there, we would lock the, do the doors to the car. But we never locked the doors if they were white people. Yeah. But my parents never said anything about black people it's just these little teeny things yeah. so like if you're a kid and you see someone doing that what what do you think you're going to see the next time and you watch a show on tv and especially if you're a little if, if if anyone is older i mean gosh it it's taking a long time for black people to be anything but thugs in movies so how do you think it is when you see them on the screen yeah. and you all you're doing is just you, you see that it's just little seeds here and there so you do have an opinion that gets built about how people are and how they operate. Um, the best thing that I've heard in, in, if, uh, to the opposite of that is my friends, she said her kids came home and, um, 
and uh, after being on the school bus, they asked her, Mom, what is the N-word? We, what is that about? And she said, don't you ever, ever say that. I would rather hear you say the F-word before the N-word. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think she had to go into some big, long thing, talk about the Civil War, talk about right. anything. But see, she planted a seed right. in that child's mind. And it was a subtle seed. Right. Now, that child, from that moment on out, is going to see how wrong it is mm-hmm. if she hears anything like that ever again. The, those are the things that need you. You almost have to educate people to not be ignorant because actually what we're dealing with today is just ignorance at its true form. No, no harm intended. It's just you just don't know. And so, therefore, you just might end up passing on some of these little racist um, traits. Yep. And that's, that's how we end up to a place. And like I said, here I am in Spotsylvania County, and I'm watching people who are just still here, been from here, and it's, they, they don't know. But one of the great gifts that we have in the world is to find what it is that we seek. So if you keep looking for it, you're going to find it. Right. And so if you see someone acting in particular, you, you're going to see it. And you, all, all you do is just see other things to back that up. And then you have a belief system about people and how they are. And you get what you focus on. Ultimately. You get what you focus on. Psychologically, that's yep. just You cannot way. help Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, uh, Bryant said something a little bit earlier that I didn't agree with. Um, you know, we were discussing what happened with George Floyd and you were saying, you know, how terrible it was and all those things about it. And you were like, I believe that these people will be brought to justice. Like, there's no question about it. I firmly believe the opposite. I think they're going to walk, all four of them. And there are a lot of people who think like me. And, you know, when it first came out that he was going to maybe get charged with third-degree murder, you know, it, it was a low sentence that was kind of like, a slap in the face. But then it's like, okay, second degree murder. And there was just one word that I could not get over in what it would take to convict someone of second degree murder. And it's not anything about premeditation or anything like that, but it was intention. And there's only one person that can tell me what his intentions were. And I'm sure that what he's going to say is going to work in his favor. And to take it a step further, there were at least four to eight law enforcement personnel on scene. And let's say it was eight. When I watched that video, eight out of eight people thought what happened there on that ground was okay. And for for me to see that, it started to formulate in my mind what their eligible jurors probably think like. And, you know, it's frustrating to me because I'm still getting over Emmett Till. Carolyn Bryant is still out. She's not remorseful about telling a lie. And so this is this anthill that's become a mountain and nothing is being done about it. And, you know, you're seeing it maybe for the first time, but this is all I see. So I don't expect the justice system to work in my benefit or on my behalf because, in my mind, it never has. Yeah, I appreciate you calling that out because I I do. I I, I don't know that they'll all be convicted of what they're charged with. Uh, I do have faith in the system that they're going to uh, 
definitely take care of. Uh, How about the one guy who was only there for his fourth day? Yeah, you know, and, and I think they obviously need to deal with each one of the individual circum sets of circumstances and individuals based on their own merit. Um, but uh, Derek Chauvin or, or whatever, however you pronounce his name, is, uh, is absolutely um, guilty of what he's, he's being charged with. And, um, you know, I, I, I believe justice will be done. But do you think he intended to kill him? Well, I don't know. It, See, it's, um, I don't think you know, so. If there's, if there's, you never know, right? So is there history there, right? They, there's, you, they you work can't, together. Yeah, well, at least that's been reported in the news, right? So whether or not that's true, um, I don't know because I, 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 you know, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of that. But let's say they did, right? And let's say they dig up some history of conflict, you know, between the two of them. Um, you know, who knows, right? I mean, they may even be able to uh, find enough information to show some intent, um, based on historical conflict or something. I, and, and this is all hypothetical, right? So I don't have any evidence of any of that. I'm just um, saying that, uh, you know, there, there could be some information there that they could dig up. Um, but we'll, we'll see. And, uh, and I think, you know, there's, there's lots more tactically, um, you know, I, like I said when we first started this, I can't defend what went on there. I wouldn't even start to defend what went on there. Um, the only thing I would, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm upset that other officers didn't intervene. Right. I don't expect the public to intervene. Yep. In fact, I encourage the public not to intervene because they're just going to end up getting locked they're up themselves. And, and that's that, yeah, that's going to be a mess. So um, other officers should absolutely intervene. Um, but I'm watching the time here and I, and I actually think this is a great time to uh, to talk about bringing this episode to a close and uh, transitioning into part two and uh, which would ultimately be episode number 51, where we pick up on this conversation about what happened in Minneapolis and any other questions that we have there and, uh, and then um, dive, dive a little bit deeper. Because I know, you know, we try to hold these to about an hour long and, and we've got a lot more to talk about. I, I, and I, I, I don't want to... You guys wanna, good with sticking around? Okay. Yeah, I don't want to give, give anybody short shrift on, on that. So... Um, Kevin, you know how we close this thing out. So I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to these folks, and 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 I'm very appreciative of them being here for this episode. And and uh, we're gonna you know keep recording and, and have another follow-on episode with them. But uh, in between, well, we're gonna keep recording. But uh, our folks that are out there listening that uh, ultimately are gonna hear the end of this, we uh, we gotta have them, give them a good send-off. So that's right. Um, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, make sure you make time to listen to this next episode uh, when it publishes a week from tomorrow. And uh, between now and then, make sure you take time. Enjoy the ride. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Great Beard Chronicles. Please subscribe so you'll receive notification when new episodes are available. To learn more about the Greybeards, visit their website, graybeardchronicles.com.